Hello, listener. This is Chatterbox Video Game Radio, and my name is Alon. And my name's Aura. We, uh, we have a lot to talk about today, I think. We got think, some good stuff. I think this is going to be one of those shows where we expect us to not have enough, and then we ramble on to fill what could be three shows. That Does usually it? It happens more often than it doesn't, also. Yeah. Does it seem right to you, though? So I, I reminded you just a moment ago that last week we were talking about, like, we closed the show talking about um, an article I'd seen on somewhere, Polygon, I think, about uh, checkpoints. And I guess Ben Kachera had written this article about uh, basically complaining about um, checkpoints not being, like, a solved issue after all these years. Right, and about, I guess, tech checkpoint design in general and... Yeah, what really is good and bad about it, I in, suppose. In his defense, he, he wasn't really trying to complain. He was just trying to explain to the reader like that it's more complex than you might think it is as as just a casual player who doesn't realize what goes into game development. But um, what I found interesting was that he was defining, he was specifically defining bad checkpoint management as um, one that basically one that creates frustration which he then defined as something that requires you to play through something again. Yeah, which... that, that refrain seemed to be hit upon again and again, not just by him on that piece, but by people who he interviewed at these supposedly super high-level um, you know, studios like Naughty Dog who should know what they're doing better than almost everybody else. Yeah, and honestly, I can't say I disagree with them all that much. Well, here's here's my problem in general with the way it was framed, is that they're talking about checkpoints like in terms of you progressing through the game, like a chef or a restaurant might talk about a steak and how the primary problem of steak is how to get the patrons of the restaurant to eat it faster and to finish it all as opposed to being concerned about the quality of the steak so that the restaurant patrons will actually want to eat and enjoy the entire steak yeah i uh i did feel it was a bit much of a blanket statement uh just complaining that or i guess stating that uh making someone redo a portion of a game is just inherently bad and we... Yeah, there's there's that assumption, which is, I think, uh, completely, it's shallow. Yeah, There's a lot of subtlety here he's not incorporating that I want to touch on. Although I, I, keep going. I think I think back to uh, the people that he interviewed, which were like uh, people from the Call of Duty series, people from The Last of Us and uh, Uncharted, right? The companies you just mentioned. Right. Um, and those games are incredibly frustrating when you have to redo large portions of them. One thing they talked about was like, you know, uh, in Uncharted, you can choose to be stealthy or just guns blazing, right? And they're like, well, if you choose to be stealthy and you take 20 minutes to kill two dudes, then you probably wish that it would save after that so you don't have to go through another 20 minutes of stealthy, you know, play to kill just two guys, which if you ran out guns blazing would take maybe a minute. And uh, I, I kind of understand that point. At the same, because they're sort of saying like, if you do have to do it all over again, you'll just change up your play style and just shoot people. And that sort of defeats the game for you because then you're playing it not the way you want to play it, just to not have to replay that section. So I get it. But there are other types of games where replaying something is important. And this... Yeah, uh, I, feel, I feel like he's, he's unfairly simplifying the issue. By... I feel like he focused only on t- the types of games that satisfy uh, his statement. Um, yes, that actually same seems exactly true yeah. and those types of games are narrative heavy games that don't seem to in that, that involve a lot of contextual action but don't seem to involve a lot of mastery of skill when you especially compared to something like street fighter and i feel like the main point that he's missing and this is really dangerous actually the kind of ideas that are being thrown around in this piece because it's framing basically every problem in the play of video games as how can I re 
how can I minimize how much stuff I redo? And the reason why that's dangerous, why that idea is dangerous, is because the, he's operating under the assumption that if I redo a section of the game, it is by definition and also necessarily something that is, is I don't know, boring, is, is to be avoided, is boring, is unpleasant. And that may be so in all these games, but that's a side effect of the kinds of games they are. So uh, when I when I think about this, I think back to, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on the show before because we've done a lot of shows, but uh, the original Castlevania for the Nintendo Entertainment System, right? So 8-bit Nintendo, last, last big boss is Dracula, right? Yeah. Uh, I used to play that game with a friend. Like I'd, We'd have sleepovers. You and actually got to game. the end? No. Here's what I was going to say. <laughs> I know that he's the last boss. I've researched this. Because I don't... I don't... I don't think but, I did. I either did that once or zero times. The second to last level is the Grim Reaper. Yeah. And never in my experience was I able, even though playing it week after week after week with a friend of mine, you know, would pass off between you know the lives I think, or levels. I think that's as far as I got, and he will destroy you. Yeah. I, we could get to the Grim Reaper, you know, frequently, although not every time, uh, but never beat him. And I think, like, he told me he beat him once or something, but, like... I certainly never did it. We never did it together. And uh, I think to that type of game where like my skill in that game was improved through repeated play. And if that game had checkpoints, maybe I wouldn't respect it as much. Although it also means I never played that last level that developers put, you know, put effort into. Well, that's that's one thing, right? I want to go over a little bit some of the subtlety that I feel like he's completely glossing over. And to do that, we need to ask the question, even though he asked it and answered it, he didn't fully answer it. What makes repeating something unpleasant, something that you don't want to do? And this is something I've thought about a lot. And this is why I'm so mystified, because if you're a game developer of any chops at all, this is something that you should have talked about a lot. And so while I don't expect any of the writers to have this information... I certainly expect the people from all of these highly lauded developers to know about and be able to discuss this stuff, unless, of course, you know, they were interviewed in a different context and weren't allowed to blah, blah, blah. Anyway, here's the thing. It's redoing something in a game is bad only when, when you have to redo that portion of the game, whatever that is you feel like you're not gaining anything new from it. In other words, A, you, you're not learning anything new. That's actually, actually, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, like if, if, you, if you're sheerly, if, you, if you've strictly lost progress and you're like, okay, I have to do this thing that I already know how to do and I'm not gaining anything new from redoing it, then what that means is that Redoing it is strictly a grind. It's just a labor of redoing much in the same way that Microsoft Word forgot to save your last 200 words of prose in your article and you have to retype them. Yeah, I I would take it one step further and say not if you feel like you're not gaining anything, but if you actually aren't gaining anything. Because there are plenty of times where I'm pissed off that I have to redo something and I feel like it's just wasted effort. But Yeah, but I'm not even talking about extrinsic things like gaining points or... EXP. I'm even talking no, about skill. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like having I'll... to play that Mario level over again pisses me off. But every time I do it, I become yeah. better at jumping gaps and Here, whatever. Here's the problem. I find it so funny that Kucherub frames this as okay. Why haven't we solved this in 2014? I've written about this problem indirectly six years ago. Yeah, six years ago in a piece where I described how I described how and what the incompatibilities exist between narrative and what we understand as the, the classic skill-based video game, like the ones that are so prevalent from the 80s. And the main problem is, is that when you're playing a narrative game, even though there are things in it that are very much like a skill game, because there's so much emphasis on the narrative aspect, what they do in order to facilitate the narrative aspect is they nerf the skill base aspect. And additionally, another thing they have to do 
because it's so strongly narratively based is the more emphasis they put on that aspect of it, the more you will necessarily feel like redoing a part of the game that you did before, even though it might be fun to play over and over and over, it becomes less and less fun, more so than any other type of game, just because it's a narrative-heavy game. This is a problem with narrative-heavy games, because narrative... Because think about it. Cultivating a skill is doing what? Just getting better at something. Right. It's repetition. Yeah. You cannot cultivate a skill without massive repetition. The thing that people don't think about is that within that massive repetition is unrepetitive things because you're learning. And so the dynamic changes as you repeat the same activity. It becomes different. When you're going around a track in a race car, the first time you do it, is a completely different experience than the 10,000th time you've done it. And guess what? The 10,000th trial is actually interesting and captivating. And the reason well, just, is... Just caveat uh, for you, maybe. Look, it doesn't matter. You can, you can talk about... Look, you can talk about shooting baskets, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Who, who complains? Who likes basketball and complains, oh, shooting baskets is so boring, I have to do it over and over and over. It's not because it's an infinite ceiling of skill when you're shooting a basket. Because there's always different ways you can do it and always things that you can learn from it. And these things are not so present in the heavy narrative games because they want because they focus so much on the narrative. Yeah, and, and so they're, they're so simple, the actual bits that you have to repeat. This is a necessary give and take that people do not want to admit exists because it's not sexy to admit it. We'll be back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. All right, it's Chatterbox Video Game Radio, and we're back. Of course we're back. Don't forget, by the way, we have a Facebook page. I keep trying to post stuff up there to uh, spark conversation. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Well, Facebook slash. Um, I got I got to say one more thing about the last topic before we okay. move on. This is really important. Another thing that really struck me is that especially you were quoting somebody who was being quoted from Naughty Dog talking about how they choose to place checkpoints, and this is this just kills me. This just it this this shrivels my heart a lot to hear this. Because the way the guy's talking, he's talking like the only reason why... This goes back to my analogy at the top of the show. The only reason why they put in checkpoints is just to facilitate you progressing faster through the game. Or more, more easily through the game. Through the narrative itself. I'm, and, try, I'm trying to find that quote for you. Okay. Well, whether you find it or not, I think we'll, we'll make do. But the angle of that that's really... Unsettling, I guess, is a way to put it, is that if you talk, if you look at your game and if you strictly, and this is what they do, and if you simply put in, if you simply notice where people are dying and losing and you put in checkpoints to facilitate progress, that is a super ham-fisted way of designing and tuning a game. Yeah, instead, why not just figure out a way to better educate the player In fact, or better that train is, the player? That is Bush League, that is Amateur Hour, and that is not something that a developer of that caliber should be 
explaining as a best practice. Because if you only look at the statistical output of what the game produces in terms of, okay, this many people are getting through it and this many people are dying here. So let's put it in a checkpoint because there's too many people dying here. You're doing something. Making the steak as delicious as possible is not what you're doing. And you cannot be doing that if, if this is what you're doing. I wonder if... So I, I used the, the Castlevania and Super Mario analogies earlier. Do, do you think games like that, that... You know, traditionally you have to beat the entire game in... Not in one life, yeah. but in whatever lives you can acquire through the game. Like no saving, basically. Although Super right. Mario... The original Super Mario does have a... You know, go back to the beginning of that world trick yeah um let, let's use those as specific examples do you think castlevania the original one would be better if there was some sort of save component or if you could start at you know x level yeah. uh, once once achieving that level well here's the trade-off actually this is a really good case study so here's a trade-off you get let's say i'm just going to retalk this over just so i know what you're you're actually saying so let's say we take Castlevania, which the original version, it's basically you have three lives and you have maybe one checkpoint between within a level, if that, maybe zero. Yeah, I don't even remember if there were checkpoints. Maybe it's you die. Maybe there's a checkpoint very frequently, but you only have so many lives, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. Anyway, the whole point is the challenge is can you get through the area between checkpoints with as little uh, loss of health as possible? And you can only take a, f- a few hits before you die. Even though it looks like there's like 64 yeah. units of health I'm, I'm in your recall- life bar. Remember yeah. that? But everything takes like two or three or four or ten units anyway. Yeah, no, I'm recalling that. But you could get new life within, yeah, you can within get, the Yeah, you can get it restored. The whole, the whole challenge – I'm not even – I'm going to say even something stronger. The whole purpose of that game was the challenge of how far can you get with the resources you have. Now, if we had done some AAA-style checkpointing in <laughs> this game – uh, first of all, everyone would finish all the content in one or two hours because Probably. that's the length of the game if you never stopped, give or take. It might, it might even be shorter than that. Actually, it might even be something like 16 minutes. Anyway, the, what you get is you get a lot of people to experience, a lot more people to experience the, uh, the traversal throughout the game. I'm not even going to say experience the game itself. Because part of the experience of the game is learning how to negotiate these challenges. And with too many checkpoints, you get to move past the challenges without having actually demonstrated the skill to negotiate them. And so it becomes more of kind of like a walk through a gallery, which incidentally, dynamically, is how a lot of these narrative heavy games feel. And that is the essential disconnect between a narrative game, or I should just say a narrative and a game game. Because the narrative, they're just incompatible ideas. And I find it so interesting that most gamers just refuse to accept that that can be so. They just won't have it. There's There's this hopeful feeling in all of us somehow that, well, you know, we'll just someday somebody will figure out how to do it. and But it's like, no, someday nobody's going to figure out how to do it because there is a reason why people haven't figured it out. It's not because we're not smart enough. It's because we're mixing oil and water because these are two different devices that are required to fulfill two different things and they have different purposes. It's like hoping that one day your fork will have the same utility as a knife. You know, you said it, it might make a good case study. I think I think an interesting situation is that of the original Contra because Oh yeah, because, because we had that, didn't we? Exactly. Because we had both situations. There were plenty of people who had started off with three lives and whatever extra you could get in the game. And then there's the people who chose to use the Konami code right. to get enough lives that most people could finish the game without much difficulty. Right. 30 lives. Yeah. Yep. So I, th- I think to myself, like, do I appreciate the game more having had the opportunity to go through and play it all versus, 
uh, it being so difficult, I couldn't get very far with just the three lives I was given. Um, but in in this real life situation, it's more like you played the game a lot until later on in life you found out about this code and then got to use the code, right? So you, so you already went through some of the learning, the, the important process of struggling through out of necessity until you were given this sort of golden key to to pass through and actually see all the content and kind of in, enjoy the game in a more casual way. But I can tell you with certainty that playing it that way, I was much less careful about playing through the game and yeah, you know, obviously and, making sure I didn't die and all that. And you consume the game. it a lot faster. In other words, you are ready to throw it away a lot more because the only, if you're able to just traipse through the game without much danger or carefulness that's required on your part, then the value of the game is much less too because you've just gone through all, because all you're consuming Right there's all the depth there, all the subtlety of the mechanical interactions, is not something that you need to engage in to progress. So you don't consume that aspect. The only aspects you're consuming are the graphics, and there's a little shallow layer of just enjoying shooting around the stuff that's coming at you. But it doesn't really matter how it's coming at you or how you're negotiating it because well, you have 30 lives. Yeah, no, and, and you can make analogies to any game these days, right? So like the new Mario games, you basically have unlimited lives because even if you lose the lives you have, you can just continue, which is weird. And they well, this, is, this is, I feel, the actually, I feel like this is an endemic disease among games uh, that has been increasing for the past decade or so. And we're also, you know, some people are talking about how, you know, we, we were getting more entitled and soft and... Some people are saying this is this is one of the ways that this is happening. We're just accustomed to being able to uh, proceed through game content without much difficulty. And yeah, well, I mean, part of it is that games have gotten so much bigger. Like, if the game doesn't give you twenty hours of content or more or something, and it's a full pay game, the you know consumers are going to be pissed off. But then, if you have a game that takes twenty hours, you damn well better have a, a way to save it because I'm not going to sit through twenty hours straight except in the case of Last of Us, where I played it all the way through for 24 hours. Um, well, that's one solution. Yeah, right. that's not going to happen. So like the new Mario games, I wouldn't be able to have just one playthrough, so I need to have that save mechanism. Yeah. But it's a little, it's lame that they give you the ability to so easily collect lives in the game, but then if you lose all of them, you just hit the continue button as many times as you want, and you yeah. just come right back. So I, I certainly do not take a lot of care in, in how I play through, which is contrary to how you played the very first one. In fact... If I remember correctly, I think the first and the second were the only ones like that. And then as soon as Super Mario 3 came along, you could save anywhere, right? Yeah. Well, Not save anywhere, but like every level. Yeah, I mean, the first two were definitely... Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple of different issues happening at once, right? Like one of them is, right, like what's the, what's the interval of time for a sequence for you to complete in one session without redoing it, irrespective of everything else we talked about. And that's that's different for different things, obviously. And then the other issue is just the whole, right, how does it feel to redo something? What if we took a sequence in The Last of Us, and instead of it being uh, bookended by narrative pieces, what if we called it Stage X and gave you um, some metric, let's say how fast you can de defeat all the enemies, and now you can play stage X as many times as you want, and it records your score. Now you can compare your score. Guess what? Suddenly, redoing all that level again and again and again gets real interesting. Yeah, I actually think the game does have that. There, well, there, there you, you go. You can go back to chapter whatever and yeah. play through it. But the, you only do that after you've gone through the whole narrative. Yeah. And that whole practice of... See, that structure that I just explained, that they already have, right? That is necessarily incompatible with a narrative. How can you make a narrative around that that makes sense? You can't. Well, I mean, you only do that after you've played through. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. But but within those are individual checkpoints to make sure you don't do little things over and over. And in a narrative game, it, it makes sense because I don't want to I don't want to be forced to hit rewind on a movie. Yeah. Every 5 minutes I I sort of get distracted, right? Yeah. Well, you know what I say? No. Just make the movie and then make the game. <laughs> make two different things. We'll be right back. 
to me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. Okay, okay. So we're ready to move on. We'd, we'd originally yeah, but, actually planned for the second segment of this to not be about the same thing. Yeah, but you know what? I thought it was worth the, yeah. worthy. It was. So we just went on. So so now, um, I, I guess we're going to talk about, we're gonna, I'm going to let you take it and talk about, and I'm, I'm gonna, careful about this. I'm very careful about letting you talk about Gran Turismo no, you're 6. Gonna, you're going to love it. <laughs> okay. I got a little story for you. So there's... There's a lot of cars in that game that are very expensive. Okay. And many of those expensive cars, you find out, have very little use after you buy them. So there's this one car, and it's the uh, it's the it's the car that this guy named Tajima used to uh, go up the Pikes Peak Challenge. And it's this new electric car, right? Okay. <laughs> so You're losing me a little bit, but keep po- going. $1.2 million. I got this electric car, saved up for it. I'm like, I can't wait to try this out. This is one of the new cars in the game. I hope it has roaring engines. This sounds. is No, it's, 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 you know, it's got a whining, <laughs> soothing electric sound. Okay. And so I get this. Okay, so I'm now I'm pretty far in the game. So there's like ten lap races at the point that I'm at at the game, and you can't really. It's not really. Um, it would be unusual for you to get this car much earlier than when I got it. Let's just say that. So I can't wait to try this car. I've saved up for. So I, I've bought it. I start racing, and then after about four laps, guess what happens? I won't be able to guess. No acceleration. Why? Battery power is empty. (laughs) In a 10-lap race, I ran out of batteries. And I'm like, okay. So maybe, maybe, since there's nothing I can do, maybe I'll go into the pit. And so I go into the pit, and guess what happens? They don't have battery replacement. They, of course, because they only refuel you and change your tires in the pit. So the car goes into the pit. And then goes out of the pit, and the battery is still empty. Okay. Now, why am I telling you this story? I'm very curious. I'm telling you this story because this is like a little microcosm of the Cluster F that has become GT6 now. But, I mean, that just sounds very realistic. Is that a mistake? What happened to you? It's very realistic. Yeah. It is very realistic. I guess that car in real life would only be able to do about four laps of a Grand Prix track. Okay. But effectively, it's 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 a completely useless car, and I I am also getting increasingly frustrated. Do you think that was like them trolling you? No, <laughs> you paid so much money for this car and can't even use it. You know, I mean, some people might think that, but it's this and there's a bunch of other <laughs> things I'm going to mention real quickly. That it's just really obvious now that they have they they pushed <clears> this <throat> thing out like crazy faster than it should have been. The product is obviously not complete. They've sold people a bill of sale and a product that is masquerading as something that was on the level of their last game when it's hardly even even half what it is. And so I'm just going to rattle off the things that they said would happen that would not happen. And then we'll go to the next part of this. So they said their new track would come out this month, uh, this month being last month, being February, right? No track was released. They said that an update would come out in February specifically, and that hasn't happened. There's also been a lot of features, uh, a few of which are new, but many of which actually were in the previous game that are not in this one that they said are are coming at some point, at some update that nobody knows. And this includes things like B-Spec, doing online quick match, uh, this thing called a data logger, this other thing they call a GPS visualizer. They they, they said that they were going to bring some mobile device connectivity going on. Um, of course, multi-screen and the 3D screen thing. And then there all these community features. There's a whole host of features that they enticed us with prior to the game coming out saying this is what the game's going to have. And it doesn't have. It's really, if it's not 
already apparent, it's even more apparent now, that what they did was Sony was like, well, um, I guess we need to make more money this Christmas season. So you got to release this Christmas season no matter what and pick up the pieces afterward. And there's a lot of pieces they have to pick up. Yeah, what's funnier to me is that they're turning off online for that game in just a few months. This is so for yeah for GT five, and this is I'm, I'm really I have a okay I'm gonna make a prediction. They're going to extend the amount of time that they're going to keep the GT five servers. I agree, because I'm hearing a lot of reports. There's actually a lot of people who play GT five online and not GT six because GT six is so riddled with problems. And I would even venture to guess at this point that GT5 is going to have and will continue to have way more traffic online than GT6 does. And as a total guess, complete speculation, I'm pulling this out of my ass, I don't have any specific reason to know this is the case other than what I've been hearing and my gut feeling about it. Yeah. You know, what I'm most interested to learn is what our friend uh, Shannon or, or Woofer has to say about you complaining that they haven't come through with what they promised. Oh, yes. Because you'll remember, we talked about a letter that we got from, I assume him, but maybe her, um, a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, about how Payday 2 hasn't really come through. They made all sorts of promises, and he's pissed off, and you're like, listen, they don't owe you anything, kid. And now, <laughs> and now I feel like you're having a change of heart. Well, I don't have a change of heart. Um... I'm I'm feeling miffed as a customer. I feel like they are careless to their customers. And I definitely agree that whatever the payday people have promised, uh, they are also being careless to their customers. The reality is, and I'll still say the same thing that I said last time, even for, G, even for something that I'm a huge fan of, that I bought, that I'm a consumer of and regularly play, we shouldn't... It's unfortunate, but we shouldn't expect what is announced and what is said to be so to be delivered because that's not what they're doing. On the other hand, I also believe that it is horribly bad PR to announce a time window to deliver something to customers and to not do that. Yeah. Now, I got to say, I don't necessarily agree with you here. I'm, I'm a little bit more in, in Woofer's camp. Because I do think if they expressly say that they're going to provide something, yeah. that I do have the right to expect that. No, now, I, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is this is so endemic now, yeah, this think, unreliability, that in practical purposes, it's I mean, don't, 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 don't hold your whatever. Yeah, I feel like you're the ballsy uncle who pulls the kid, kid aside and says, listen, kid, life's not fair. Suck it up, right? <laughs> like. Like, yeah, we should know better as smart, experienced people. Yeah. We should know better than to expect these things, yeah. even though it's totally fair to expect them. Everybody should know better. They should know better because they should not promise things that they can't deliver. But we should know better, too, because, I mean, what are you going to do? You have two choices because you're not, you you're not going to be suing them for non-performance, are you? Yeah. Although, I mean, honestly, <laughs> there could be a case. I mean, because it is non-performance. The damages would just be very, very small. But <laughs> I mean, what are you, you going to go like? You going to um, like litigate for specific performance? Like, if I win, you have to deliver all these features. No, but it would just be a refund. Yeah, I uh, mean, yeah, it's all we have is we have we're weak as consumers. All we can do is we can either buy the product or not buy the product. And if we love the product so much that we'll buy it anyway, guess what? They have us by the balls. And yes. GT6 has me by the balls. Yeah. Well, it, it makes me feel more more sorry for Woofer and his uh, lack of Payday 2 updates. A game which, by the way, I've never played or paid any attention to. I think it might be free for PlayStation Plus or was or will be. I don't know. Never played it. I, I It was with Payday 2 that I learned that I'm probably the worst person to evaluate the sellability of video game cover art. <laughs> uh, wasn't there like a clown on the cover? There's <laughs> some stupid fat clown face with a huge smirk on it. And I'm just hey, looking Twisted at Twisted Metal it. sold really well. I, you know what? It kind of looks like Twisted Metal. I'm sure that wasn't a coincidence exactly. 
Okay. But I just look at that clown face and I don't want to have anything to do with his family, with his life, with his kids. I, I just don't care about him. All right. Well, changing topics a little bit. I just mentioned that it might be on PlayStation Plus. I actually, it's weird. I have, I have no idea if that's the case, but I feel like I read that somewhere. Um, what is available for free right now, though, on Xbox, if you're, if you're a gold member, is Civilization Revolution, which you re- may remember me talking about as one of my favorite games. Of course. How can I forget? <laughs> There's two things you really love, and one of them is Civilization. Yeah. I Specifically, Revolution. <laughs> I did not enjoy Civ Five as much. It just, All right, fair enough. The computer versions they get more complicated. The Xbox One, and I, it's the same as the iOS version. Is uh, it's just laid back, just complicated enough to to get me. It's found a sweet spot. But I've never played a full multiplayer game. And I put on Facebook and I put on my on like our page. Uh, hey guys, this is a free game. You should totally get it. Let's arrange a time when you have a ridiculous number of hours. That's right. How that play this multiplayer. Um, not a single response or comment. So, I mean, you guys really need to step up here. I want, I want to play this game with somebody. And if you guys go on there, we can arrange a time. Uh, I'm not employed at the moment. So like I'm moving. I've got, I have a window of a few weeks when I have so much time, like a teenager has time. So you guys should download this for free. Oh, and I got to talk about this, right? So this is a game that I have on disc which is, a, uh, I guess it's not a disc-only game. It's games is games for gold or whatever. You could put it on your Xbox if you paid for it digitally. But I installed it from the disc to my hard drive. You know how you can do that on the Xbox 360? Yep. So the disc needs to be in there, but it runs from the hard drive? Yep. So I did that. And then it was free with gold. And the way that the interface is set up is that if you have it installed on the hard drive, you have the option to play now. You don't have the option to download even though I could hypothetically pay for the game and and allow it to be downloaded to the system in such a way that I no longer need the disk. But what I found was, since I've installed it on the hard drive, I did not have the option of downloading it uh, for the free Games with Gold thing to make it a, a licensed version that sits on the hard drive. Well, you can just thank all of the Microsoft engineers for that. Yeah, there wasn't a, like... Uh, apply license or or download in quotes but don't really download I had to actually delete the game from the hard drive and then download it for free which meant downloading 5 gigs of data in order to allow me to get the license on my machine totally and then play it without the disk totally reasonable just a bug in the system they didn't think about it probably doesn't happen often but it happened to me we'll be right back And we're back once again. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. So we've got one segment left. Um, you've got a topic I'm almost scared to delve into. Oh, I know. I've been feeling it all night long. Okay. There's a lot of this going around. Right I'm, now. I'm scared of it too, but I'm going to do it anyway. But you have something that's probably more worthy of discussion. Wait, so you're passing to me now? Oh, passing the ball? Oh, okay. I thought you were... No, okay. I'll, fine, I'll do it. I don't care. I'll do it right now. All right. Okay, so here's how I'm going to do this. I'm just going to illustrate a situation. And the point of me illustrating the situation is if you're an activist for a certain cause, there's a certain cause you believe in. It is possible through carelessness to diminish the stock of your cause in everybody's eyes. All right. If you are... I'm I'm thinking back to the most recent community episode. If you are not careful about how you go about doing your activism. And the reason why I'm putting it this way is that I'm just going to avoid, at least for the time being, what the issue at hand is. And I want to show you how being careless and emotional about a topic that affects a lot of people can do more damage to your cause than help it. Okay? Let's see if I can accomplish that. Okay. So there was a piece 
on there's a there's a blogger on 24/7 what's that site VG 24/7 or whatever yeah I don't even know and a game was announced called Deep Down in Japan and so she wrote a string of blog posts about this that I'm going to you illustrate. Say, you say you. she, but you haven't told us who this person is. Her name's Brenna Hillier. Okay. And, and Brenna Hillier, if you are listening to this for any reason, and you'd like to discuss this, hey, we will invite you to be a guest on the show and discuss this ad nauseum, if you so desire, or ad satisfaction is the um, Okay? So, here's this game, and there was... I guess it's not out yet. It was... Uh, it was let's see what... The, on February 16th, she wrote a piece about how there was um, a Nico Nico video that's like the Japanese equivalent of YouTube, more or less. How they mentioned that, hey, um, only male characters are going to be available in this game. And this is the Capcom producer, Capcom producer talking. His name is Kazunori Sugiura. That the lack of a female character is related to the narrative. Or as she puts it, is tied to the story somehow. Next day, after presumably having time to percolate on um, this issue, this uh, potentiality of a game where you may not be able to play as a female character, she writes another piece, and I'm just going to read you the first two lines because this is the entire thing in a microcosm. Deep Down apparently won't contain any female characters. It's 2004. This is video games. Brenna Hillier is, predictably, pretty effing angry. She didn't say effing. She said the actual word. Uh, did you mean 2014? or No, 24-7. Yeah, 2014. What did I say? You said this is 2004. <laughs> so I didn't this know is... if that, she was somehow making a point I didn't understand. No, that was just me not saying the right word. It happens a lot. Okay. So, right off... Okay, first of all, it's not a good idea... Whatever position you're making to in your first paragraph and your third sentence to basically say, okay, I'm, this is just going to be an emotional rant because I'm pretty effing angry. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming so from. So it's already not off to a good start. And anyway, she, she continues. She basically does not take – I'm going to summarize. She basically is really upset that this game you can't play as a female character, that they've confirmed that you can't play as a female character in this game. Even though she doesn't really understand the context of the game or the narrative or what it is about or not about fully. Because she can't because the game's not even done yet. So nobody knows the full context except for perhaps the people working on it. And she decides to make all of these judgments about what this game is and what this represents. And somehow she decided that this is going to be the poster child for feminism and what is wrong with video games and male privilege in 2014. But I think this is a huge mistake to take this as the poster child because you don't know what it is and you don't know what you're saying yet. Yeah, I, I got to say, so I, I saw this article pop up on my radar Sometime last week, yeah, or in the past week, because that's I, what it was. I don't understand what what prefaced this. If like she or someone else asked the developer, "Hey, are you going to be able to play as a woman?" But I'm sure that's been asked of many, many games, and it's never turned into this. And I don't think it's fair to pick any one property and say, "Oh, you can't play as a woman," so that's indicative of of you know where we're at. Like if you want, and this is you're you're absolutely right. And this is also the crux of this issue is that if you feel like people are being mistreated or not fairly treated, you can say something about the state of how things are and how you wish them to be. What you absolutely cannot do is say that a group of individuals cannot make a creative work according to their own desires. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't work for me either, man. It's Because they are not in this world to please your distribution of how you think the world should be. They have as much right to make whatever creative works they want to in this world as you do. And you cannot, you do not have any right to tell them that 
there should be this in your game or there should be that in your game simply because I feel like there should be more of this and that in other games in general. Yeah, like I think it would make more sense if she looked at like all triple A games as a whole and decided which one of them had male protagonists, which one of them had an option for female and, you know, laid it out there statistically and said like there's only 1% that that allow a woman like something's up. That's right. And that I, I, that kind of makes sense and wouldn't be an attack on any individual developer right. for a creative decision. Because you can't I've I've said this time and time again and this this actually this is true in multiple ways and multiple levels. You cannot take the macrocosmic and apply it and map that properly to the microcosmic. You cannot take an aggregate and analyze what is happening in the aggregate and allow that or, or basically map that to what one person is doing. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't map. It just doesn't work. So statistics about what an aggregate is simply belong in that realm of the aggregate because that's all that they apply to. That doesn't inform anything about one individual person. Incidentally, you can make the same argument about racism and sexism, right? Just because an aggregate of people are known to engage in a behavior that is statistically most common does not tell you anything specifically when you pull one individual example out of that group and look at them. Maybe maybe they have a 70% chance of being a certain way, but it doesn't tell you with any certitude that this person is this way or this other way. And that's a huge, huge fallacy and mistake to make that connection. Yeah, and I'm starting to think that this article might have been written as a just a point of sensationalism. Well, I mean, it's obviously clickbait, so I, I encourage everybody not to go after it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty... Here's the problem, is that this kind of stuff... It catches it, on. It catches on and it hurts your cause. If you have a cause, this is one way to make sure that uh, nobody takes your cause seriously. Yeah, I mean, now I, I think your argument is that because it's early on in development, you are developing the story. Like you're choosing to make a story that doesn't have women in it or whatever. But perhaps it would be more useful, like you're saying, to, I guess, uh, to talk to developers in advance and or pitch an idea or something that helps this this cause. Right? Well, start your own company that actually empowers women in in these fictional roles or whatever. Of course, the best answer is if you don't like what you see, you can do it yourself in the way that you like. Yeah, that's always, of course, <clears throat> the best answer and the one that's never followed because that's the one that's most demanding on somebody who isn't satisfied. The funny thing is, okay, I just want to read a couple of funny quotes. Because she seemed to insist that, even though it was, it just seems pretty transparently clickbait. You know, she she kind of contradicts herself too because she she asserts that there is a point to including playable female characters in games. That's what she says, quote unquote. And there may be a point, and you can make that point, and that can be a very interesting point to make, and a good one to discuss. But one that's not good is. Is there a point to making a specific developer make their game in a specific way that includes female characters in the way you want them to be included? Yeah. That is a different question entirely. And she's being disingenuous because that is what she's addressing, even though she's stating otherwise. Yeah, I feel like she could have picked on any number of developers or games in progress right now and made exactly the same argument. <clears throat> well, it's con- weird that it's being applied to this one consider, so specifically. Consider if we think that this is okay, this kind of behavior. One thing that I like to say is that if you want to find out if something is okay to do, you shouldn't ask if one person is allowed to do it. You should look at and see if everybody does it a lot. Is that okay? And if that's okay or not, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good uh, stick of measure. But, okay, I'm just going to read this one last thing that she said. This is funny. And you got to, you just, you can't destroy your own credibility like this, okay? She, at some point she asserts, quote, Please go boil your head because I see no point in debating with people incapable of basic logic and lacking humanity. It's a little bit of irony there. Yeah. Do you notice that? Yeah. If you're going 
to insist that people are humane, you have to be humane yourself. You cannot tell people, as unpleasant as they are, to go boil their heads. What are you even accomplishing with that kind of assertion? Go boil your head? Yeah, so like you said, clickbait. <sighs> yeah, right. well... Well, uh, I think... You know what upsets me the most about this? What upsets me the most is that corporations now, and especially Capcom, they they have to address this kind of stuff because it's so loud. Yeah, well, what's weird to me is how this particular particular idea of hers picked up when it's so specific and small in in my eyes. But I guess anything that yells feminism in game development right now is, is... getting traction it's a huge hot button topic and I, I really wish that all of us are able to actually discuss these things at face value and for what they are and actually have meaningful discussions instead of this kind of political adversarial me versus you stuff because once you get into adversarial mode like this guess what I think you're. I think you're doing it for the wrong reasons, and you're not going to accomplish what you set out to do anyway. And you're going to you're going to screw yourself in the end. All right. Well, clearly we're at the end of the show this week, so thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget, Facebook page is slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. If you want to email us, that's on our website, ChatterboxGameShow.com. And uh, that's about it. We will see you next week. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.